And how about this transition? We go from talking breakfast foods to welcome him in a legend. Barry Richter, Wisconsin hockey great. Barry, what's up? Evo, what's going on? We're just we're, we're just we're putting the biscuit in the basket this morning. Oh! Biscuit in the basket. Got RJ and Nelly in there. Hey boys, how you guys doing? Barry, yeah, Barry, we're doing good, man. We've been uh, we're di- we're dying in on quick trip uh, breakfast food. I know. I, I heard. I heard that. Uh, God, you're you're dialed in, man. Culinary. <laughs> I mean, you guys are like, uh, it's awesome. I'm a big old school egg muffin. I'm that. That I love it. Oh yeah. Well, know. here's the thing. We have some quick trip muffins here, or McMuffin, essentially, right? Yeah. But Barry, I've never really dabbled in quick trips food. I I'm always go to the pump. I'll get my card right at the pump there, get my gas and leave. I'll never go in. People are like, yo, you're missing out on some of the best food ever. And so I've, I've been eating this week Quick Trip food for lunch and grading it uh, on my Facebook and Twitter accounts with a live video. I did the pork rib sandwich on Wednesday. That was a 6.3 out of 10. I did the spicy chicken sandwich yesterday. That was a 7.3 out of 10. And I'll say this is the best I've had so far for Quick Trip, the, the breakfast sandwich, a 7.8 out of 10, Barry. Do you dabble with Quick Trip food? I, I don't, but I, I hear it's pretty good. They do a great job. It's I mean, pretty damn good, credit. Barry. I'm not going to lie. Do, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't. I, I get my gas, I get out, you know what I mean? That's what I always did, but they're like, yo, you're missing out. So, Barry, how about one of these days you and I meet at a quick trip and we'll have lunch together? So we have so the, the gas stations and quick trip is doing a good job. They must have definitely upgraded from the rolling hot dogs in the back. Oh yeah, which I'll still I'll I'll I'm gonna eat one of those too though, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So how we been? How we how we living? Last time we talked, uh, hockey had some exhibition games not quite underway, but then on uh, what last Saturday they actually got underway. How's it feel to finally have a f- hockey officially back, Barry? Man, it is awesome. I it just I don't know if there's any hockey fans out there listening, but it is just it is awesome. It is great. It's like five or six games a day. I mean, these guys are going hard. There's a fight the first day. I mean, it's just uh, the, the intensity is there. Um, you can tell they have to kick some rust off a little bit. So with that, though, is some, is some really intense sloppiness. Um, but every game, they get better and better. And so it's just, it's just awesome. It's just, like I said, it's March Madness for hockey fans. And today is just, is, is just elimination Friday. I mean, you got six games, I believe, that yeah. are... You know, the series are 2-1, and, and as you know, it's a 3 out of 5 for these qualifiers, these Stanley Cup qualifiers. It's a, it's a 3 out of 5 series, so it's just going to be a, just a plethora of just awesome hockey today, just down, down to the wire. So it's been great. Last night, uh, for those that watched, uh, Columbus was down 3-0 against Toronto, and uh, in the middle of the second period, pull the goaltender. John Tortorella pulls the goaltender. They, they, go, they get three goals. Columbus gets three goals, ties it, puts it into overtime, and Pierre Luc uh, Dubois, you know, scores the game winner, gets a hat trick. The game before, if you just go and Google this, Tortorella just undresses him <laughs> on the uh, on the bench because <laughs> he was having a poor game. And then Tor- John Tortorella is sort of you know the oh, yeah, legendary for his yeah. legendary for his press conferences, but he just undresses him. I don't know if any other sport can do that kind of stuff <laughs> where people just get in the grill. And you get a reaction from the player the next time. He doesn't powder anything. He gets out there and pots three goals. Game winner overtime puts Columbus up 2-1 and then uh, game four is tonight, uh, Toronto. Yeah, so like in the, Barry, in that game two loss, Tortorella said was fuming. He says, we sucked. We sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's true. I mean, he does not, you know, and, and he can do it. He's Jack Adams, uh, coach of the year, you know, twice uh, award winner. So he can do that, but... You know he he gets the best out of his players, so it's it's been a real good uh, you know week for me. I mean, I'm recording things. I don't even know what's going on with the Brewers, to be honest, unless <laughs> I listen to you guys. I, Barry, I they hockey. won last night, bro, eight to three. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I heard I heard you say Yelich had it inside the park. But yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. I get home, I'm I'm all about hockey. When I get oh, home for from sure. work, I'm yeah. all about I, hockey. I'm with you there. I've had the three o'clock games recorded. Then when I get home, I watch. I like flipping between the NHL network and CBS Sportsnet, and then I'll add in the Brewer game when that starts at seven. So I'm kind of going to like doing a round robin myself of just watching two hockey games and a and a baseball game all at once. It's it's like I wish sports in general were just like this because the amount that's on right now, <laughs> it's just overload, and my I, my brain is just happy. That's not serious. 
You know, it, and it is really an RJ. It's, it's, uh, I'm glad you're watching. I knew you're a connoisseur of sports and you love it. Barry, he's a season ticket holder for Wisconsin hockey, too. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's, that's right, RJ. You're, 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 you're a brother, man. You're a brother. <laughs> that's just, good. Just can't skate. That's my well, only Barry, problem. Barry, <laughs> I, I got the hockey flow going out right now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't want to look like a poser or nothing, but I'm trying to get into the, <laughs> the, the hockey brotherhood here, man. Uh, that's great. So, I mean, with all these games, and you got to give the NHL credit. So everyone was wondering, and, and and I haven't really watched too much NBA, and you guys know more about that than I do. But the NHL, and everyone's wondering, how does this look? And you know, how's it going to be with this the bubble and the only two sites, and and what's the intensity going to be like? And but, you know, I got to give the NHL credit; they've done a really nice job of piping in some EA Sports crowd music. It's sort of you know, if there's a big save, they try to put that music and I would say the crowd noise in a little bit. They use the home uh the home uh, sort of playlist, so to speak, whoever's playing home. I mean there's a lot of different things. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, I mean how intricate this is, but the actual dashers of the boards, the advertising on the boards is from the home rink. So they have all that dialed in. So, like, they're playing at their home rink, you know, and yeah. those that are watching on TV and you have the sponsors of the home rink, whether you're playing in Pittsburgh, you got the Pittsburgh sponsors. If you're playing in Edmonton, well, Edmonton's Edmonton. you got the Edmonton sponsors. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it's really, really cool to see that, uh, you know what, it is working. It's the best we can do, and it's working. Barry, who is the player that you are really focusing in on? Like, who is the player that's got you excited? Because right now I'm looking at, like you said, six teams – are facing elimination today. One of the guys that could potentially go home would be Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby, yeah. and he's you know he's a phenomenal talent. But is there certain other guys that you're like focusing in on? Like this is the guy to watch. Yeah, I mean it's well, it's just every day. Like last night, I was watching Matthews. On well, this morning, I watched the rest of it. You know, but uh, watching Austin Matthews, I'm just watching this game, and I'm saying, you know what? He's not around. He's not doing much. I don't see him out there. But <laughs> all of a sudden, he starts. You know, he's one of those players that. If he's not, if he's having an average game, you just gotta watch it. He'll dangle someone and then score and pot a goal for a game winner, you know. And uh, and so he's just there's a lot of great young talent. I mean, it's amazing. If you talk about the the two one uh, the game four elimination game tonight is Blackhawks against Edmonton, you know. And Connor McDavid is one of the like elite elite players. I mean, the, his speed and his hands in the game. So watching Edmonton play, but then the, the cool thing about it is the Blackhawks. And Corey Crawford, keeping them at bay. Um, and watching the old school Patrick Kane, you know, the old Blackhawks and Jonathan Taze, who's Taze is to me, if Dude, I'm going to tell a beast. It, he's, if I'm going to tell a young kid to play, you know, if he's playing forward, watch Jonathan Taze because he plays both sides of the puck. He plays defense and offense. And he had a monster game last game, too. Tonight, elimination game for that. So you have the old guard Blackhawks against the Edmonton, the up and coming Edmonton. And, uh, and, uh, and the possible uh, other MVP there that's playing Connor McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl, who's uh, number 29, is, a, is you know one of the best players in the league. So yeah. you, a lot, a lot of good young skill. This Aho, watch this kid, the Sebastian Aho, who's uh, they eliminated. They're done. They eliminated the Rangers. He's number 20 out there. They're saying he's having one of the. He's one of the best players right now in the playoffs. He's just a, like a little water bug out there. Has hands, <laughs> speed, and everything. Um, so it's, it's, it's just great. It's just, uh, like I said, the game is really young. Uh, the game is uh, obviously has a little bit younger legs, but really cool uh, storyline there with Blackhawks. That's awesome. Barry Richter joining us right now, Wisconsin hockey great, NHL or Olympian. Barry, how has the game changed from, you've noticed, from your NHL and playing days to now? How has the game changed? Is it quicker? Is it faster? What's different about it? Well, I wish, and if you ask that question when we were, you know, we weren't talking maybe uh, a couple months ago, three months ago, when we were getting into this COVID, and there was just no sports on TV, right? There was absolutely no sports. But what the NHL Network was re, uh, replaying, and everyone was replaying these old games, you know, you had games from the 70s, the games from the 80s, you know, these old legendary Stanley Cup games that uh, you were part of, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or watched when as a kid and growing up, and you can really see the game transform. And so when I was there and I played, you know, in the 90s and, and early 2000s, it was just, there was a lot of clutching and grabbing. Like, you couldn't, it, it is amazing to watch the, if you're trying, you dump the puck, and all of a sudden you see Mark Messier's stick just hooking the water ski in the guy. <laughs> like, you know, and you just can't do that nowadays. But they've really, in the middle, uh, you know, 2005, I think it was, the NHL came out with, you know, no obstruction. You know, uh, it was just a lot more, uh, better for the skilled players. You know, you could skate more. And that sort of eliminated uh, the, the fighters, that fourth line sort of uh, 
the guys that were just like they, they, they looked like they they played in the men's league, but got out there and just could fight. Right <laughs> now, you just don't have those. You don't have those kinds of players. You don't the guys have the enforcers tough, anymore. You do, but they're skilled. I mean, they're oh, good. I need like yeah. a, I need a guy out there who's one job and one job only is just to fight. You know, what? <laughs> you can I, I part- skate. Yeah. can't skate backwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a partner of six five, Eric Carnes. He played in the NHL, and his hands uh, looked like he had six knuckles on it. And, um, <laughs> Did he foil his, up? <laughs> his one job was to take care of me, and I do recall this one time where I had. Uh, you know, this 5'10", and I'm 6'2", and I had a 5'10 guy. We're sort of tussling, and here comes Eric Carnsey coming in. And he's like, don't you dare touch Richter. And I'm like, <laughs> I look at him, I'm like, I, I think I'm okay here, buddy. <laughs> don't you dare touch Richter. Nobody touches Richter. Now, Barry, that, don't, don't take this yeah. the wrong way. You're you're a good-looking cat, Barry. You got the swag going on. <laughs> Did you get into many fights in your playing days? No, God, no. And I've always said that. Now, definitely, I, I, I have a handful of fights, and that was just not my. Um, you're like my me, role. Barry. You're, you're a lover, not a fighter, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why you got no. that other guy protecting you. Don't you ever touch yeah. Barry. So exactly. But the but the the big thing, uh, guys, is that here's the deal. I mean, you know, I was not a fighter. I was a uh, but but you played the game hard. Like that's one yeah. thing. And you blocked shots. You did things. And you and you and you did the little. You know, you had to do things just to 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 be in the game. I mean, you have to. Yeah, gotta be. You got to be tough or mentally tough, I guess, so to speak. But there, that was not my skill set. But once in a while, you got to stand up for your teammates and you got to show up. And then those things happen. And, uh, and and that's out of the game a little bit right now. So you see, but it's a good thing. I mean, it, it's a good thing where you have the, the skilled players not having people cross-checking them and everything like that. The bad thing about it, though, is not having that policing mechanism yeah. where maybe there is a little too much intimidation for the best players in the league or there is some slashing from some guys that are third line. And that just didn't happen when I played. There was a tap on the shoulder saying, "You do that one more time, you're gonna you're gonna have to answer to me." <laughs> and um, not me, me, but my my partner. <laughs> you're gonna have to answer to Eric over here. <laughs> yeah, and his knuckles are dragging on the ground, right? So. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, hey, you, hey, I would like I would like the fact that just knowing he's behind me, I'm like, yeah, I got this guy back here. Try me yeah. again. I'll send this guy on you. Uh, Barry, before I let you go, man, I got uh, you know, Foo Fighters is your walk in and walk out music here. Uh, the Packers, Barry, came out to say that there's going to be no fans in the stands at Lambeau for the first two games uh, at least. And what's right next to Lambeau is the Rush Center. I know, buddy. I know, buddy. So we're going to have to. Are you, you know going to the do? Foo Fighters concert? Is it still on in October? Evo. Here's what we're going to do, Evo. We'll get we'll get the set list of the last Foo Fighters concert. You'll come over. We'll crack open some beers, social distance, mask up yep. a little bit. And I'll bring and some quick just, trip food. <laughs> you bring some quick fix of food. We'll crack open some Wabat blue lights. Ooh. Watch NHL hockey and play the set, set list, and then uh, pretend it. like you know, pretend like we're at the. Uh, well, I guess it won't be hockey in October, but pretend like we're uh, at the concert. Hey, How can you in, can you invite that enforcer that was on your team too, and we can have a bounce at the door? Carnsey, he's up in Canada, man. I don't oh, know what he? he's doing. Oh, all right, <laughs> he'd have to quarantine. <laughs> but Barry, that that sounds like a uh, an incredible idea. I'm all in. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you guys have a great week, great weekend. It's great to talk to you. Nice. Listen, hey, everyone's listening to you, man. More and more people are listening. I got my mom listened the other day. She's oh. like, listen, those guys are great. Those guys are great. Well, and that's so, good to hear. You know what? Local, but a little bit of statewide. You guys are just all about Barry, it. So, I love it. Coming you from you, I'm smiling ear to ear right now, my man. I appreciate uh, that. It's all true, man. Hey, it's all true. Hey, so. real quick. I saw on Instagram, I, you know, your, your, um, your son, we follow each other on Instagram. And I saw him post something. Was your dad flying this cool, like, badger red plane? That was my father-in-law, Dave Lenz. Yeah, oh, that he's, was freaking cool, yeah. man. Yep, yep. He likes the this old red husky uh, airplane that he's, uh, that thing's that badass. he's flying. So, yeah, yeah. Well, Barry, it was a pleasure <laughs> talking to you, man. I always, I always love it. All right, boys. Have a great weekend. Take you care. You as well. See you, buddy. There he is, Barry Richter. Brewers get a win last night, baby. That's two in a row. We're going for a winning streak. Three in a row. That's the winning streak. Tonight when the Brewers take on the Cincinnati Reds at Miller Park. Eric Lauer getting the nod. First start of the season. First start of the season. So we got the Brewers there. Brewers get an 8-3 win. Christian Yelich with an inside-the-park home run.
And how many walks? Four walks. <laughs> Jed Jericho going, get up, get up, get out of here, go with a three-run shot. And, dude, our guy Mark Mathias getting some ribbies, Nelly. Who is this Mark Mathias? Babe Gamble, a.k.a. Ben Gamble, gets moved up to uh, leadoff. He goes an over <laughs> And does nothing and with does it. And does nothing with it. But Mark Mathias, who kind of takes, uh, I think he took over Gamble's spot down there. He gets a couple hits. He gets some ribbies. He getting her done. So it went off with a... Or is it just like a rule of thumb? If you're moved to leadoff, you probably will struggle for the Brewers. If you're moved to the eight hole, you're probably going to have some success. <laughs> yeah. I explained this one to me. I'm looking at the scoring summary. Uh, in the second, bottom of the second, Garcia homered to the right to have the White Sox take the 2 nothing lead. Then um, in the top of the third, Jerko singled to center. Yelich scored. Jerko to second. Garcia to third. Okay, it's 2-1. And then in the top of the fifth, this one you got to explain to me, Rowdy. It says Christian Yelich homered to left, 319 feet. Can you really – do you really give the the feet on there when it's an inside-the-park home run? Never left the park. Yeah, and it's hilarious because if you were watching the game <laughs> and you look at the 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 field's dimensions, yeah, it says 330 yeah, on the left field fence. Christian Yelich homer to left, parentheses, 319 feet. I actually – What? <laughs> I actually woke up to a Snapchat from a buddy, which is pretty funny that you bring that up. Mm-hmm. And it basically was a screenshot of the scores, kind of like what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. And it says, Christian Yelich homers to deep left field. Jed Jerko homers to left field. Avisel Garcia scores. <laughs> and his comment was, Yelich hits one, quote, deep left. Deep left. With an inside the park home run. And Jerko hits one to left over the fence, LOL. <laughs> Jerko. Well, when we say ESPN doesn't have the best coverage, we ain't lying. Yeah, we're trust me, we ain't lying. ESPN sucks a bag of. <laughs> I can't finish my yep. sentence there. Homering to deep left inside the park. Yeah. Yelich homers to deep left. Parentheses three hundred and nineteen feet. Jed Jerko homers to left three hundred and fifty three feet. <laughs> I got to give a shout out to uh, Menez of the White Sox for literally using the netting. If it wasn't for the netting, Christian Yelich doesn't get the inside the park home run. Jimenez misses the ball. It looked like he maybe thought it was foul, but he misses the ball, flies into the stands when he didn't really need to, and then I'm not kidding, lays in the netting like it's a hammock. Just chilling. Okay, back to those home runs. Yeah. Can you say either of them were deep? Like, obviously, Christian Yelich's was not deep, but it's not like Jed Jerko. Yeah, it's not like Jed Jerko hit one into the second or third deck to deep left. That was a line shot that just yeah. got over, barely got over the fence. The deepest of the night was Garcia for the White Sox in the second, who hit 368 feet. There, there. That I would consider that a deep shot, wouldn't you? Oh, a not, little, uh, a little deeper. Uh, it was uh, the deepest was, of the three. It was the deepest. Would I consider it a deep shot? No, normally I really wouldn't consider that unless it's over 400 feet. 368 for Garcia, but then, yeah, Yelich homers to deep left, 319 feet. It never left. The, it never left. It was in play the whole time. I'll take it, though, dude. I'll take it all day. And then, okay, we played the <laughs> – it's, like it's like when people have batting practice at uh, the Mallard Stadium and they hit it to, uh, quote-unquote, deep right. Well, the right field fence is 297, and you hit it probably about 260. <laughs> or how about the people that hit warning track and say they hit it out of the park? It's like, yo, dude, I'd... I hit it to deep right. <laughs> Routine fly ball to the right fielder. <laughs> All right, so we got the Brewers, but also we got this, baby. Where's my other sounder? Turn it on and rip the knob off. Your Milwaukee Bucks. Fear the deer. Yadis Kumbo. Chris Middleton getting it done. Come, each had 33 points. Where's uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Hi, Milwaukee. I'm Giannis Adetokounmpo. Can you say my name? Took us a few years, but we finally can, Giannis. Giannis Adetokounmpo getting it done. The Bucks, folks, folks. If you watched this game last night, my or yesterday afternoon, my God, I was I was beside myself. The Bucks looked. Awful. They looked downright terrible. They were down by 23 points to the Miami Heat. 
three points. They overcame the deficit to beat the Heat. And if you look at the scoreline, it looks like they kicked the hell out of them. 130 to 116. They left all of the dramatics to the fourth quarter. A 23-point deficit made up. That, my friends, is the largest win this season by a team that trailed by more than 20 points. Not the restart of the season, the entire season. The largest win this season by any team that trailed by 20 or more points. The Bucks beat them by 14. Wouldn't you say that the Bucks were due for something historic? Yes, after, after the other historic. Historically stinking the last game out? On what day was that when they lost to the YMCA Nets? Or the Brooklyn YMCA's? Tuesday, I think? Yeah, I think that was Tuesday. The Bucks on Tuesday, played the Brooklyn YMCA's. Normally they're called the Nets. But out of the 11 guys on their roster for the Nets, 10 of them were G League products. The Bucks lost to the Brooklyn YMCA's. It was an historic loss for the point spread. The Bucks were favored by 18.5 points. No team had had that kind of loss with that big of a point spread since 1993 when the Dallas Mavericks were, were 19.5-point underdogs to, if you remember this team, the Seattle Supersonics. The Bucks lost to the Brooklyn YMCA's. It was a historic loss since 1993. So I, I actually got to watch the first few minutes of this game. Bucks were up 8-6, to six, and then, you know, Thursday night's my golf night, so I obviously... Didn't watch the game, but while we were out on the course, I, you know, pull up the phone to see, I wonder how the Bucks are doing. Mm-hmm. They were down by 12, and <laughs> I I look, and I go, yeah, Bucks are kind of getting beat up on again. Knowing that it was 12 in an NBA game could be about two blinks. Uh, yes. But, you know, it's not a good sign after you see that they took a historic loss the game before, and then all of a sudden they're getting beat by 12 again. Well, you know, we play a few more holes, refresh it. <laughs> wow, the Bucks are down by 18. Man, <laughs> oh, it looks like Jesus. they're taking another pounding tonight. Uh-huh. Is this team really ready for the playoffs? I feel like they're just coasting. Then uh, at the end, refresh it when I get home. No like, crap. The they what? came back to win. I couldn't 23 believe it. points down. I couldn't believe it. I I I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest here. I may or may not have sent a message to my brothers, a little group text message, saying, look at the Bucks getting bent over and pounded. They look terrible. My other brother, Mike, messaged me back. He says, time to sell the team. Bucks for pucks. Let's go. And then my other brother, Nick, just was like, Ugh, I don't know, boys. I don't know about them. And then a couple minutes later, they erased a 23-point deficit to beat the Heat by 14 in the fourth quarter. It was incredible. Giannis, 33 points, 12 rebounds. Chris Middleton, 33 points, 8 assists. Milwaukee got 17 points and 4 rebounds from Brooke Lopez, while Pat Connaughton had 11 points off the bench. Dude. Hell yeah. And it was the first time they played their whole team together in the NBA bubble. Because remember, uh, Eric Bledsoe got the Rona, and Pat Connaughton got the Rones as well. So back when the... Bucks opened up their bubble season. The bu- with bu- bubble Bucks. The Boston Celtics. Uh-huh. I've kind of been thinking about this ever since. Do you think Chris Middleton? Because I've been the I've been the hardest on Chris Middleton, not, no doubt. Well, there's a lot of people that aren't big Chris Middleton guys. I would say you're the most vocal anti Chris Middleton guy. And he played like money against the Celtics. And he played extremely well again yesterday against the Heat. Thirty-three now, points. Now we're gonna wipe the slate clean against the Brooklyn Nets. Well, he played. He they and, played sixteen minutes. They only played some in the first half. Him and Giannis. Well, other than those that game, those two games, he's looked extremely good. Yeah. Is Chris Middleton just the guy that is so good in practice that you're just in awe of him? But then when the the lights shine so bright. He kind of he kind of just shrivels up because I mean we've seen that in the playoffs with him before and we that's have. that's been a lot of the blowback that he's received is when the game gets to be in crunch time and you know game is on the line he kind of shrinks. misses the shot or takes a terrible shot or yeah. bricks a bad shot or you know whatever a turnover yep seems to be a thing do you think being in this bubble with really Let's be honest. No fans. No, no fans. I mean, I'm not going to count the virtual yeah, fans. Yeah, the virtual no fans, fans is kind of corny. I saw Little Wayne the other day. Yeah, Shaq was on there. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, they're not really there. 
Do you think this gives the Bucks and Chris Middleton? Here's the thing. I've been thinking about this. Does it give Chris Middleton the advantage? Yeah. Does it? He, it's almost like he's in a practice gym, and he's, it's he's not good. like it's not like they're in a stadium filled with twenty five thousand people. They're not right on top of you. It's really like a closed door practice that happens to be televised. I think it does benefit some guys, but the thing that bothers me the most about all of this. Well, I mean, is that the Bucks as a team, as a whole, really fed off the energy of the Pfizer form? You know, I mean, you could say that about any team in their home crowd, but once you say the Bucks feed off the oh, most, I was more specifically talking about will this allow Chris Middleton no, yeah, to play? Well? I was getting as a team collectively, they feed off that energy. Obviously, the Pfizer form. They're, they just locked up the number one seed in the East. The Bucks are the best team in the NBA, and when we see them at home, they've been feeding off the energy. But for guys like Chris Middleton. He seems to be doing pretty well when there's no fans around. <laughs> he can, well, maybe it's just a little more, you know, it's more of a practice environment. We've, all, we've, we've all heard about those guys that are so good in practice, and then all of a sudden it, it just looks like they're inconsistent or, you know, the, the game is too big for them when they step onto the actual game floor under the lights. Like, we've had our sports director, Zach Heilprin, on here. How many times in the past few years have we joked or made reference to Ethan Happ not being able to make a free throw. Yeah, but he can in practice. But like all of a sudden, he, he pumps him in at like 90% at practice like it's According nothing. to our sports director who's you know season. Who's there at practice every day. Yeah. So what is the difference between shooting these, these practice free throws at the Kohl Center on the same exact floor yep. at like 80-90% versus the same exact motion, <laughs> the same exact court, and only making about fifty percent. It's the it's got to be the lights, right? It's got to be the fans. I hey, if that's going to be the advantage for Chris Middleton, cash considerations. Let's get it done. Here's the thing that uh, the national media doesn't want you to know or hear about. Remember when the Bucks lost to the Brooklyn YMCA's, the Brooklyn Nets, and it was like front page story everywhere. The national media saying the Bucks stink, this and that. They're not going to get us the Lakers to win. And when the Lakers clinched the uh, the number one seed in the West, of how everyone was just groveling at the feet of LeBron James and the Lakers. You, you, did you notice that? After the Bucks beat after the Bucks lost to the Nets, it was oh, oh, Bucks are done, they can't do it, yada yada yada. Well, here's the thing the national media never talked about. The Los Angeles Lakers, they lost to the Thunder on Wednesday, 105 to 86. They got spanked. The Los Angeles Lakers last night lost to the Houston Rockets, 113 to 97. They will never tell you about the Lakers losing. If the Bucks slip up, oh my God, they'll be all over it. But if the Lakers slip up, it'll be crickets. It'll be talking about LeBron James, how he tied his shoe. Did you see LeBron tie his shoe yesterday? I can't believe he went with the right lace first instead of the left lace. Could you? Oh my God. They'll never talk about the Lakers losing. I mean, yes. But they I, locked up the number one seed. I get it. You but can't still. Say the Bucks also lost to Houston, so and it's not like Houston's a bad team. And... The Thunder, they're actually a pretty good team too. So it's not like they lost to the lowly Brooklyn Nets. Okay, but check this out. Yes, they don't mention it. They'll never mention. Giannis played 16 minutes. Chris Middleton played 16 minutes against the Brooklyn Nets. They just played sparingly in the first half. When the Lakers lost to the Thunder, 105 to 86, LeBron James played 30 minutes. Anthony Davis played 29 minutes. They're big dogs played the majority of the game, and they got housed by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Didn't hear a peep about it. Instead, all you heard of was about the Bucks losing to the Nets when they just played their B squad. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Shame, 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 Rowdy. Tisk, tisk, tisk. All right, 608 Twitter zone. Madison Bucks back at it tomorrow. But tonight, you got the Brewers going against the Reds. Trevor Bauer's on the mound for the Reds opposite of... Was it Eric Lauer? Eric Lauer. Making Bauer, his first start of the season. Bauer v. Lauer. Who are you taking, Rowdy? Who you got here? What are you feeling? Brewers back in Miller Park. It's definitely going to be a tough test for the Milwaukee Brewers tonight. Trevor Bauer's throwing the ball extremely well. I mean, he's he's got an ERA sub one. Mm-hmm. But he's got he's to back it up, right? He's very vocal during the offseason and very vocal out against the, obviously, MLB commissioner and other players. 
So, RJ, we got the Wisconsin Badger news here. Uh, fingers crossed that there will be a season. But for the third time in the last four seasons, Wisconsin is opening the year in the top 15 of the Amway Coaches Poll. They are ranked. Co-first place. 12th. Co-first place. Everybody's 0-0. Zero zero. Yeah, that's right. Co-first. PJ Flex probably making rings up right now. Probably. But, uh, yeah, released yesterday morning. The Badgers came in at number 12. Now, over the past three seasons, Paul Chris Club has started 17th, 7th, and 10th, respectively. Now we are 12th. Wisconsin is one of the six Big Ten teams in that poll, tied with the SEC for most of any conference. Ohio State sits at number two. Penn State at number seven, excuse me. Michigan at number 15. P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Golden Gophers, number 18. And Iowa. Tied for first, technically. (laughs) Iowa at number 23. And uh, Nebraska and Indiana among those teams receiving votes. Why is Nebraska receiving votes? Well, guess what? We're going to have a guy on at 820 from Nebraska, Connor Happer, who is all corn. Who are the three programs? Because, honestly, the coaches don't vote on the coaches' poll. It's the usually the head of the media uh, department who does that because they actually have to pay attention to it where the coaches really don't. Um, Remember when like Brett Bielema was getting some some flack for ranking someone lower? And he's like, well, I didn't do the ranking. It was my assistant that put it in. Hey, he ranked Wisconsin lower. That's what it was, Wisconsin? Yeah. yeah. It's like, That's yeah, when right. he was at Arkansas. Yeah, right, Bielema. Uh, or he ranked some of Wisconsin's opponents yeah, lower it was something, as well. It was something to mess with Wisconsin. Uh, but it, yeah, as well, like, he was well my Arkansas. assistant did it. I, I had no say in it. But, yeah, I don't understand how Nebraska is getting three votes. Well, well, RJ, RJ, you do know that their quarterback, Martinez... Heisman he was he was a Heisman dark horse last season. Yeah, very dark horse. He was <laughs> like he, he was he was popping up there on the names that you could legitimately oh, bet no, on as guys that oh, yeah. were right. in the hunt. Yeah, well, that didn't turn out too well. That's kind of no, that's kind of head scratching, wasn't it? Did not. All right, so Clemson is number one. Alabama three. Uh, let's see, Georgia's four. Louisiana State, LSU, obviously five. Oklahoma coming in at six. Oh, them Gators eighth. Oregon ninth. Notre Dame tenth. By the way, did you see Notre Dame's schedule? Uh, yeah, they're doing it all ACC this year. So they dumped Navy now uh, and told Navy to see ya. Notre Dame has got a cakewalk, and Nelson's like, "What's well, the ACC?" And Nelson's totally right. It's yeah. just looking at Notre Dame, they could be a shoe in for if they can, I guess, get by what Clemson is a shoe in for. And that's all they ever try to do. I mean, yeah. if. If you were really trying to make this something, you would make all the independents go join conferences. I don't understand why they don't. All right, so surrounding Wisconsin, though, Wisconsin's ranked 12th. Auburn is 11th, and below Wisconsin, Texas A&M is 13th, Texas 14th, and then, like I said earlier, Michigan is 15th. What do you guys think of Wisconsin right there at 12? I'll take it. Rowdy? Yeah, I think uh, we had this discussion in the winter after the season, and we're like, man, Wisconsin's losing a lot of guys. But then you look around the – the league in college football, a lot of big names are now opting out. Yeah, where I'm happy to not see Rondell Moore this year. Yeah, if yeah. we do play them, <laughs> and it's and you you start to look around, and you see guys like Rondell Moore opting out, and you're like, well, Jonathan Taylor left, like that was our star. Yep. But now you have guys that were going to be there are saying, no, I'm not, and that has to throw in a a, a kink more to your team. Now that they're they're literally pulling out less than a month right. from game one, and to less, where the Badgers knew Jonathan Taylor was yeah, going to be a couple, gone a couple days before you report to camp. Yeah, and I think that's going to have a bigger effect on this upcoming season for teams that have to deal with that. Yeah. No one's opted out of Wisconsin, have they? I have not, not heard that. Anything. I've heard. Um, I mean, we might be opting and, out of the season. And what are yeah. what are some of the biggest things that you look for for a football team returning in their success? Quarterback. Yep. Badgers have that. Yep. Jack Cohn's coming back. Moan for Cohn. Offensive line, pretty much the same offensive line outside of Biotish. Yeah. A lot of returning starters on the offensive line. Those are two key things coming back when you look at a football team offensively. Mm-hmm. And, and then you still have you still have a lot of offensive weapons right. that you can throw the football to. And, you know, they're serviceable. I think you just need somebody to be have a breakout year. It's It's not like... The cupboards are bare. No, I mean, Nikia Watson showed flashes of being good. Now, if he's the main guy, maybe all he needs is those reps, and we'll see the improvement there. Or is one of the guys who's been redshirted 
going to step up and show that flash. It's or like when Jonathan Taylor's name started, right. you never knew it. Or are we going to see Jalen Burger, Burger just time, step in and be like, "I got this. I'm the next guy. I'm, I'm Burger time." <laughs> and even at the receiver position, you have a ton of guys that have shown flashes the last two years, right? And now, did Quintez Cephas coming back take a lot of those snaps and take a lot of those looks? A hundred percent. But you still have guys like Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis. Yep. That are there that have been there for years now yep. and have shown that from time to time they can be that guy. And you have guys like uh, Taj uh, Taj Mustafa, uh, who was highly re- not highly recruited, but I mean a lot of see middle of the pack schools sounds bad, but <laughs> you know what uh, tier two schools sure were recruiting him mm-hmm. and were in on him, and he chose Wisconsin. He was part of that. Uh, Michigan five or six, however many came over in that last uh, recruiting period, uh, two seasons ago now. Um, so, and they, you also can't forget about Ferguson at tight end, right? Uh, Beast, who's, who's I believe on a Mackey watch list this year. Yeah, and I mean he's got a lot of he, attention. A, a lot of people are and saying rightfully he's, so. He's a top five tight end. Yeah, he's uh, a beast in in college football right now, and would be uh, an early round draft pick. And then if you he's a stud. if you flip and look at the defensive side of the football, Badgers are bringing back almost their whole secondary, almost the whole two deep of the secondary. And the defensive line for the most part is yep. pretty solid and and you were younger on the defensive line. Oh yeah, like I think Garrett Rand is one of your only upperclassmen. I think the and Badgers are going to be really, Badgers going to be looking pretty really good. Really you just lost the linebackers, but they always reload on those yeah. positions. But you also had guys that were pl- had some playing time that were playing last year at linebacker. You yeah. just happen me, to lose. I, I'm looking forward to see Chanel. Uh, well, let me ask you guys, when's Mascalunas? the last time that you've been worried about them? All right, you lost a lot of players due to graduation or moving on, yada, yada, yada. When have you guys been worried and about Wisconsin, instead of rebuilding, reloading? Like they've always, When have you ever seen them not reload? The, the last time I was worried was the first time I had to be worried, where it was like, well, all the starters just left. I mean... Who's this Van Ginkle guy? Yeah, it was when Vince Beagle left. Yeah, that when that when that class left, you were like T.J. Watt. There were a lot Vince of Beagle. unknowns. Yeah, you you lost a lot, and you were just like, oh my god. Well, then how'd it work <laughs> out though? Fine. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, 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 that's so great. Wisconsin doesn't rebuild; they just reload. Well you, well, you had Leon Jacobs step in. You had a guy like Van Ginkle transfer in from from South Dakota a JUCO, State, and sure. you weren't you weren't really looking. You're like, yeah, this guy had success at a lower level, but is he going to be able to step in and play like that? Yup. Yup. I will say yeah. this. With the team actually bringing back a lot of guys on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball in key spots, yeah. we also know the punt game can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> Rowdy! Got it! All right, I'm going to try something I don't think has ever been done on these airwaves. We're going to do two songs at the same Time. We'll go Bucks, and then we'll go Brewers. Does it work? Does it fit? It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad when you double them up. I'm doing the Wisconsin two-step this morning because the Bucks come from 23 down, beat the Miami Heat by 14. <laughs> what a statement win after just... And officially wrapping up the yeah. top spot in the East. Well done, Rowdy. Exactly right. What a statement win by the Bucks. You, you sucked for 90% of the game, and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I remember we're the best team in the NBA. Okay, yeah, let's just kick the hell out of the Heat. One by 14. Then you get the Milwaukee Brewers later in the night. They're like, oh, yeah, we are supposed to hit the ball. We're supposed to score runs. That's how we win games. They scored eight of them. Christian Yelich, an inside-the-park home run. Jet Jerko, cranking a bombski. It was beautiful. This guy, Mark Mathias, who the hell is this guy? He's getting RBIs. He's getting hits. Love it. Love it. This is a Wisconsin two-step, Rowdy. What'd you think? Well, it's nice to finally see some wins, right? <laughs> I know. It was very nice to finally see some Well, I mean, because if you remember the Bucks, they were kind of struggling before 
the pandemic quarantine and all that. Well, they lost, they lost what uh, three, two or three straight before the all- yeah, and then they the then break. they came back. Obviously, they beat the Celtics, but then you saw them, Oof. you know, lose to the Rockets, lose to the Rockets, lose to the historical Nets. loss to the Nets, and you're kind of like, is this team like what's going on here, dude? This team taking it seriously? And or then are we they got kind of then we got Bobby calling and Bob calls and he's like, hey, idiots. You stop being negative. Be positive about it, and look what happened. Well, we were positive yesterday. Look what happened. Bucks win. Wrap and, it up. Number one the seed Brewers, in these. The Brewers, the offense, have been struggling. Yeah, they have for most of the season, outside of a couple of games. And finally, they got eight runs. They got the win. Yeah, it was it was nice to see. They hit multiple home runs in a game, whether it be out of the park or in the park. <laughs> I still can't get over the, like the box score on ESPN or the scoring summary. Yellow, it says Yelich homers to deep left, three hundred and nineteen feet. Rowdy, how far is left field in Miller or in uh, guaranteed rate? Three thirty. <laughs> <laughs> As an inside the park home run, how can you homer to deep left when it's an inside the park home run? Jed Jericho homers to left, three hundred and fifty three feet. They didn't say deep left; it just said left. Yelich got the deep left. But yeah, then you got uh, Orlando Arcia singling to the right to score smoke. You got Smoke hitting the sack fly to score Yelly. Then you got in the eighth, this Mark Mathias guy singling the center to score Garcia and Sogard. It was uh it was a nice little game last night. And Josh Lindblom, Brewers starting pitcher, former Korean MVP, dude looked good, serviceable, but also good. He was he was getting after it. Lindblom, seven strikeouts and five innings of work. Freddie Peralta, fastball Freddie comes in. Pitches three innings, gave up one hit and six Ks. Freddie Peralta, man, love. I'm not gonna say love, like him coming out of the bullpen as opposed to being a, uh, you know, in the starting pitching rotation, right? You'd rather have fastball Freddie come out of the pen, yeah? No. Yeah, I think that would be where I would rather have him. Yeah. Most people would probably agree with that. Yeah. And then tonight, so, yeah. Well, I was say? gonna say so. The Milwaukee Brewers acquired. Mark Mathias from Cleveland in November of 19. So basically after last season, because he was going to be a Rule 5 uh, protected player where Cleveland would have had to have protected him or he would have been able to be claimed by another team. So the Brewers ended up making a trade, Cleveland knowing they weren't going to protect him, being a you know middle 20s utility infielder, kind of like a quadruple A player. The Brewers traded him for an 18-year-old prospect that played catcher. <laughs> I had never even heard of him. <laughs> so they, they they basically got him for nothing. There you go. I found the stat I was looking for earlier about Lindblom. Lindblom, the former MVP from out of Korea, but Lindblom la- got the win last night. That's his first win as a starter since the 4th of July of 2013. That was seven years ago. That's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. That's a long time. That's a long time. Limbloom getting it done on the mound. Dude's got an arsenal. He's got a lot. He's got a lot of pitches. One for the first time since July 4th, 2013. Well, and they were they were showing that in the broadcast, all of his different grips and pitches that he threw. I, I, I like it. I like him. I'm, I also like it when he doesn't get back cramps and has to leave the game. That's also an added benefit. That's a plus. I'm gonna I'm gonna pump my brakes on uh, Josh Lindblom for right now because he doesn't have a ton of tape in the major leagues in the last seven well, that's, years. That's a positive thing for him, though, isn't it? It is a positive thing, and it should be a a positive thing in a shortened season. I just I'm gonna hold, pump the brakes just because you're what gonna did we, be remain uh, cautious. cautious. Just because, what did we see when Freddie Peralta was first brought up? Cy Young coming up, Hall he, of Fame. He coming looked up. extremely good the first time he saw all these other teams. His first start, he got he set like a record. It was like the most amount of strikeouts in a limited amount. Of, it was like what thirteen strikeouts, and I forget what it was, but it was some kind of record. But no one really, no one had really seen him before. Yeah, there wasn't really a ton of tape out there on him. I like what I like what I've seen from Lindblom. Outside of when he, you could tell his back was acting up and his his control was struggling, the his first start. But again, he only throws ninety one, so he he's not going to be able to get away he's with a savvy vet. Yeah, he's not going to be able to get away with bringing the heat. So he's going to be have to 
He's going to have to be able to locate his pitches. And his off-speed is in the low 70s. But he does have a wide variety of pitches that he can throw. Throws everything in the kitchen sink. I just I just hope that next season, because he's under contract for multiple years, that we don't see a Freddie Peralta-type blow-up. Well, Freddie Peralta is, uh, you know, he's young and he's not a veteran. And he's Freddie Peralta is, like, still cutting his teeth. Lindblom... He's been around the block for a while. He looked good yesterday. I, I will remain, I will remain uh, cautiously optimistic when it comes to Lynn Bloom and moving forward. But yeah, Freddie Peralta in six innings when he first got a start in when was this? Twenty eighteen of May, he struck out thirteen. That was a record not broken since like nineteen oh eight or something like that. Uh, but yeah, then tonight, Rowdy, we have Brewers are back at it. They're coming back to Miller Park. And they're going to face the Cincinnati Reds. Eric Lauer is scheduled to make his first career start for the crew. Um, last time he pitched, he struck out six and two and two-thirds inning against the Cubs on July 26th. They say he's still in the process of being stretched out. It's Lauer versus Bauer. Trevor Bauer going for the Reds uh, tonight. So what do we? What's uh, what's your verdict on... Um, uh, there's probably not much of a verdict on Eric Lauer, though. Is the jury still well, out I'm, on I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, he was an opening day starter for the Padres, was it two seasons ago, as like a 23, 24-year-old starting pitcher. And he's extremely young still. And he's a guy that you have high hopes, right? You acquired him and Urias for Trent Grisham from the San Diego Padres. Trent Grisham's been playing extremely Dude, well in San Diego. Yeah, and the Brewers have yet to see what they really got back in that trade. Obviously, your highest with the uh, COVID nineteen and the the wrist surgery, and then Lauer being in contact with someone that had it, which I'm still confused at why he wasn't able to practice with the uh, MLB policies being that if you have certain negative tests, you can play. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Just because you were in contact with someone, but you're testing negative, I don't get it. There's also some weird. Weird things with that with Juan Soto, mm-hmm. slugger for uh, the Nationals, who had like 10 consecutive negative tests, but we was still, still couldn't play. unallowed to play. So I'm not exactly sure where that is. But yeah, I'm excited, excited to see Eric Lauer. I mean, he looked phenomenal in spring training those first two and a half weeks. Yeah, I'm pumped for Eric Lauer. See what happens. The council said he's still in the process of being stretched out, though. Is well, that, does but that I mean, concern it, you at all? That no, I mean, just you're not going to see him for probably that long. I wouldn't imagine he goes past three innings today, but I mean, so he's the outgetter. Council's going to throw those outgetters. That's what that's what happens, right? When you aren't stretched out in yeah. you know late February, early March, and you throw solidly for two and a half weeks, and then all of a sudden you take a four month <laughs> extended <laughs> vacation, oh. and then all of a sudden when you do come back, you're in contact with someone from COVID nineteen, and you only get into summer camp two point yeah. for. Maybe a week. Hey, whoever just called in, I literally was just going to get to you, and then you hung up. But I mean, patience is a virtue, my friend. Whoever just called in, call back in. Look at what Lauer has done in the first spring training, in the summer camp, in limited time in that scrimmage, and then his first—he's only pitched once. It was against the Cubs. He went two and two thirds innings, gave up just one hit, struck out six. Yeah, seemed to be pretty good to me. He's a guy that he was the opening day starter for the Padres two years ago. He's a guy that's going to be in that Brewers rotation. It was just a matter of time of when he could be ready. Yeah. Like, you don't have a guy, even on a bad Padres team back then, you don't have a guy that's your top starter that's not going to make a rotation for the Brewers. Because <laughs> what do we always complain about with the Brewers? Starting pitching? Start, every, yeah, almost every year, it feels like. There's no reason why he's not going to be in the rotation. Now we're complaining about offense. <laughs> Where's the bats? All right, 608 321 Twitter is at Zone Madison. Speaking of that COVID-19 and Major League Baseball, well, apparently the Players Association and Major League Baseball agreed to a new COVID-19 safety protocols. If you are a rule breaker, you could face a season-long suspension now. And that's what we said, right? Like, Well, weeks ago, a week ago when the Miami and the Phillies and all those teams were coming out, I know we brought it up on here. We were like, if they really wanted to be strict, yep. if you go then, out, then you punish them. Yeah, if you go out and get caught, you know, going to a casino or going to a club, knowing that well, you okay. had to play. What if Derek Jeter, as Derek Jeter says, one of his Miami Marlins players went out for a milk? Well, we know that's a lie. 
when other people who are saying for, who goes out for milk. We know that's a lie when other people are saying, "Yeah, we saw them at a nightclub," and they didn't have a milk. But I mean, regardless, if you if you really want this season to move forward and it, to run as smoothly as possible, you got to crack down on teams that are well, going out there and yeah, doing that. Well, check Either this out: suspending the player or strictly barring the team from playing. Say they're done. Well, check this out. Following uh, the cluster of, what, 13 Cardinals players and staff and then 20 Marlins players and staff testing positive for COVID-19, uh, they were like, okay, we need to get a little more strict. Players and staff must wear face coverings that cover the mouth and nose at all times while at the ballpark other than while they're on the field of play itself. So this new mandate includes the dugout and bullpen. In order to minimize time spent together indoors, home teams must provide outdoor covered spaces for the visiting team. Home teams also must provide appropriate spaces that allow for social distancing during rain delays. You have the entire park. There's no fan. You can go sit wherever the hell you want. Uh, let's see. Traveling parties must be reduced to the absolutely essential number of personnel. Player and team personnel must wear face coverings at all times at team hotels other than in each person's individual individual hotel room a member of a road team other player or staff must inform the team compliance officer if he or she wishes to leave the team hotel for any reason and then finally home team players and staff members are now prohibited from going to bars lounges malls or other places in which large groups gather and if you get busted doing these if you are a habitual line stepper you could get bloop, banned for the whole season. You're done. I don't think they have to be that extreme with the mask mandates. But if you basically say, here's the short. If you go out and you go clubbing and you do all these other things you're done. and we catch it, you're, you're, you're suspended for the year or your team is now suspended for the year. You got to get strict like, with them. Like if you have a, a team of guys like on the Marlins, we'll say for the Marlins, they go out and of the 30 guys, 26 of them are out at the club. It's like, sorry, dude, you're done. Sorry, that your your team's done. Yeah. You just made us basically postpone and cancel games. We had to change up the schedule. Your your team is no longer to compete. Your salaries are now gone. Yeah. Let's go to the I'm gonna tell you the twenty nine other clubs, once that hits when they're like, they say, oh, damn, they're serious. You're done. When we don't get paid, it's only for the games we played. Like, I right. don't think they're going to be going out we'll anymore. We'll be good, we'll be good, I swear. How's Tiger Woods doing? Where's he sitting? Saw Tiger Woods was going to change his putter up for the PGA Championship. Where's that leaderboard at? Jason Day still leading the way, five under. So is Brendan Todd. I don't see Tiger. Where's he at? Kepka, third. Tied for 21st. How, two under. Two under. Leader right now is five under. Day and Todd. Tees off at 258. Let's go, Tiger. That's what I'm talking about. See Bryson DeChambeau break his freaking driver head yesterday? Yeah, it brings back bad memories. <laughs> brings back a bad memory for me when I had my 7-iron out. I hit it, and all of a sudden my club felt a lot lighter. I look up. There's my 7-iron head flying like a tomahawk through the air. Barely misses this old man who's walking the other, the other way in the other hole. Barely misses his head. I saw prison flash before my eyes. I was like, oh, God, involuntary manslaughter. No. See, I've... Missed him, though. Thank God. I've broken two drivers playing golf. The first one was uh, at a lacrosse football golf outing where you have to drink between you and your partner an 18-pack plus have mixed (laughs) drinks and shots on the course. What? And so we're on the last hole, right? At least we've waited to the last hole. We were playing against two other guys that were buddies but the one guy I always got into it a lot with. Like so, like an argument? Yeah. Shocking. So me and my buddy were, you know, and they wanted us to play together. So they're like, all right, you know, we'll bet who has the best drive between your team. I already know, we're I already know how the story ends, I feel like. I, I've so never they, heard it, but I know how it ends. They go out there. They have a decent shot. My partner has a terrible shot. Well, I go up there and I'm like, you know, just kind of like stretching, not attempting to hit the ball. And I barely nick the ball off the tee and it's laying there like right in front of the tee. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that counts. What? And I'm like, dude, You're I didn't even the- swing. I was like, I didn't even swing. I was literally just standing here, you know, talking crap to you guys and I accidentally knocked it off the and it's not like you're on the freaking pga circuit here and they were already beating us but they wanted to do bets for best drive because it was the last hole 
I put it back on the tee and absolutely crank one down the center and out drove them all. And then they're like, nope, that doesn't count. And the one guy that was supposed to be the go-between that was yeah. holding the money yeah. gave it to those guys and they took off. You took your club I and took broke my it over driver while we were driving or while they sped off with bad intentions and just chucked it as hard as I could at their cart. <laughs> it may have been headed straight for their heads until it hit the back of the cart. Right, I think that's and called snapped my snapped my driver. There was definitely a lot of bad intentions behind that. I think throw. that's called anger issues. <laughs> and then the other What'd one. What'd you throw like a like a friggin' brick did from Anchorman, like a, a trident? <laughs> it was basically, yeah, it was just like a Yeah, brick killed a guy with a trident. You you threw your your driver like a spear? It. No, I threw it. I I literally just or whipped did, it. Was it going like was it spinning or was it like a spear? No, it was it was like like a kickoff. It yeah. was just it was twirling, <laughs> spinning. I that's called anger issues, Rowdy. That's well, it. regardless, I broke my club. And you were drinking. And the next time we were actually at another golf outing, and it was the last hole as well. And they were like, "Yeah, we'll race you to the clubhouse." Well, I didn't realize they undid our bags. Oh, no. So when we sped off, our bags fell off the back. Yeah. And it just so happened that my driver hit the just hit golf just right. path just right oh, and busted my driver lame, head dude. off. See, and that was within one year of each other. I get angry out on the golf course, but I just scream internally. I just I, I bottle it all inside and scream internally. I, I, I shove it deep down. I repress it deep down into my body for one day for it to explode. It hasn't happened yet. I've only been mad like three times in my life. Have you ever seen me be mad? Uh, I don't know if I would say mad. Yeah, I've I've honestly been mad three times in my life. I I everything that pisses me off, I take it, I bottle it in deep down, and repress it. All I know is that the the one where I was throwing it at the cart, it had bad intentions behind <laughs> it. That's the classic. That, one, that classic one was move. that classic was the one at that Rowdy. point. At that point, I didn't care if it struck someone in the head. Well, Bryson DeChambeau for the PGA Championship didn't. Do, he did not do what Nelson did. He was just leaning down, like he was leaning down with his club to pick up his tee, and his head snapped off. And then he was allowed from the PGA officials to fix it. Uh, oh, you asked about cutouts. If I like the cutouts or not in the stadiums, and how there will be no fans in the stands for Lambeau Field. Our guy, Pack Fan Ryan, tweets in. What's up, bro? He says, how about this? Cutouts of fans sitting down in Lambeau Field would be fitting because there's a lot of the blue hairs at Lambeau that just sit and never even cheer. So you have cutouts of fans sitting down in Lambeau would be fitting, and then you have one cutout standing, and all the other cutouts around the guy standing would be screaming, sit down, because that's what all the blue hairs do at Lambeau Field. You ever notice that? Remember the Packers? They brought in like the SS Lambo or whatever the whatever that ship was, and they brought its horn in to try and get people. They tried turning the flicking the lights on and off, and they scored touchdowns to get people loud. They tried all kinds of stuff to get people loud. Just the the boomers wouldn't do it. Us millennials got to carry that torch, and the Gen Xers we got to get loud. I don't know what they're gonna do. Are they gonna pipe? Are they gonna pipe noise in now at Lambo Field? Are they gonna in other stadiums? Is that what they're gonna do? I have no clue. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Our guy, Pike Slayer 1. What's up, Jake? Shout out to Forgotten Fire up there in Marinette. He tweets at me at Ebo Says and at Rowdy, Nelson's Twitter handle. He goes, at Rowdy underscore Razor. That's Twitter. Nelson trying to hit people with stuff on the golf course? I don't believe it. Now, Nelson, if I remember correctly... Last year, was that last Don't year? Don't put that evil on me. Last year when we had our golf tournament, when golf tournaments were a thing but pre-COVID, in the before time, before COVID-19, Pike Slayer 1, Jake, our guy, our beautiful, awesome listener up there in, uh, yeah, I said beautiful, up there in Marinette, makes a hell of a wine too. Multiple awards, one for Forgotten Fire Winery. Jake says, you were trying to hit people. If I remember correctly, his <laughs> no. foursome, his foursome at our golf tournament was in front of your foursome. And I remember that part's true. I remember vividly of Jake, who just tweeted in, and his dad having to ask you guys politely not to hit into them. And then they asked you politely again not to hit into them. And then the third time, they threatened to take you guys to the parking lot and kick your ass if you hit into them. Your group was hitting into 
this fine group of gentlemen constantly. I feel like you should, are a, you're a menace on the course, Nelson. <laughs> Let's go back. What were the groups again? Groups of four? I feel like you're a menace. What are groups again, Ebo? Four. Groups of four. How many people sit in one cart? Two. There we go. The two in the cart ahead of us were the ones that kept doing it as me and my partner said, guys, you shouldn't swing yet. And they still didn't listen to that to us as I have my head down every time I saw, oh God, that's not good. <laughs> and then they came over and yelled, dude, guys, come on. Well, they were nice about it at first, right? Yeah. And then progressively they got but this is me and more my, and more mean because me. you guys kept doing it. This is me and my partner telling the other two ahead of us saying, dude, come on, you don't need to go yet. And then they just crank it into him. And oh, I can't hit it that far. Well, that they, they just did, <laughs> and you did about three times. What was it? Okay, because you and your group of guys, I don't think anyone's over six foot six one in that group. Maybe Knutson's. What's Knutson? He's probably fl- flirting with six foot. Pike Slayer and his dad—they're about six three, six four. Served for our country, by the way. Props to those guys. What was it like to have just two burly six four, six five guys come up to you, who have some military experience? Being like, if you do this one more time, I'm kicking your ass. Well, the thing is, <laughs> my my partner and I just basically used our fingers and went, them. Not us, them. It's the, the card ahead of you us. You want the other half of our, our foursome. Not this not this half. Hey, one guy in your foursome, you got it. He is, he is, you're responsible for that. I think you guys are just a menace on the course, throwing clubs. Hitting in the groups. No, that the one in lacrosse was definitely. And angry. two years ago, okay, that was last year. Two years ago, I see. I look over as I'm driving my foursome. Here's Nelson with his shirt off, annihilated golfing. <laughs> a menace out on the course. I had to go tell him to put his shirt on. I mean, in my defense on that one, we were talking about men of the zone calendar, so I just wanted to give people a preview. And it was the hottest day of the year. Yeah. To quote one of the golfers, that felt like a death march. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot. There's Rowdy with his shirt off. <laughs> nothing like nothing like getting up there on the tee for the long drive. Shirtless. Ripping the shirt off. With the breeze blowing on your nipples. All right, we'll be- Sweat dripping down your butt crack about ready to take <laughs> 